Lord, we just thank you for your presence in this place this morning. We thank you for the atmosphere of worship where we can just take time and set it aside for you, Lord. Oh, we honor you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. It's good to honor the Holy Spirit, and that's what we've been speaking on now. We've been going on for 17 weeks, and this is part 15 of that. And, you know, just as you honor the Holy Spirit and give Him space to move, He takes that space and just begins to move in your lives. And, you know, last week as, as we had things planned, the Holy Spirit just began to interrupt what we were doing and take us off in a different direction, and we didn't even end up preaching last week. And the very thing that we were going to be preaching on, He was just wanting to demonstrate and work through you. And I just leaned over to Pastor Wendy and I said, well, uh, preach, pray, prophesy, raise the dead, heal the sick, whatever you got to do, just, just go. And she just kind of stood there and was like, I don't have anything. <laughs> and as soon as she stood up and turned around to face everyone who was here last week, as all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just began to drop things in. As you take that opportunity and you step out, he meets you right where you're at. And even this morning, as we were just worshiping, you know, the Holy Spirit is bringing things up, and there, there was words that were on my heart for people that didn't even show up here today. And, you know, I, I always think this, this story of a, a friend of mine. Um, we, we were, other friends and I were going to all these great meetings, and we were seeing all these things, and he would always be like, oh, no, I've got other things to do. I'm, I'm busy. I, do, I don't need to do that. I can't do it. And we'd come home, and we'd tell him about the great time. And he's like, oh, it's fine. You know, God will just get it to me some other way. Well, you know what? God never did get it to him some other way. He chose not to take the time to honor God. And so this morning, there was people that God wanted to be here, and he was laying words on my heart for them, but they did not take the time for him. And so you get to the place where God provides, and that's where you find his provision. Where God has called you to be, when you get in that place, that's where the provision, that's where the wisdom begins to flow. Amen? So we're on part two of a series, uh, of a mini-series inside this Holy Spirit called Gifts Galore. And, uh, you know, the Holy, or Paul said, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, you know, don't be ignorant of how the Holy Spirit moves. He doesn't want you to be ignorant of his movings, of his ways. He wants you to understand so that when he starts stepping out, you can be like, oh, I know what he wants me to do, and you go with him. And we t we've talked about how there's two different types of ignorance that are, are wrapped up in that word that he's used. There's an ignorance that comes from lack of knowledge or lack of understanding and learning, but there's also an ignorance comes from lack of interest or lack of desire for. And so we can fix one, right? We can, we can teach, we can try and inspire, but no one can fix your want to unless you want to. Isn't that right? No one can fix your want to. And Paul said desire, earnestly desire, not casually desire, not lazily desire. He says earnestly or zealously or ambitiously desire the gifts. And so he goes on to say that there's different types of gifts, but it's the same spirit. Not all of the gifts do the same thing. And he said that there's different types of ministries. And so in part one of this series, we were talking about the different ministry gifts that God has given to the body. And at, at every one of times where the ministry gifts are mentioned, it says, to each one, grace was given. Everyone say, that's me. 
we all have a place in the body of Christ. We all have a place within his church, within what he wants to do in this world. You've been called to it, but again, he can't fix your want to. He can't make you do anything, nor will he ever. He's a perfect gentleman, but when we say, yes, Lord, use me, I'm available, I'm willing, he begins to put you where you're needed, and the body of Christ benefits. But he goes on into verse 8, where I want to jump right into today. I don't want to waste any more time on it. He says, For one, to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another a word of knowledge through that same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, and to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. And so Paul goes on and he lists off nine gifts of the Spirit. Now I don't believe that this is the totality of how the Holy Spirit flows. This is just Paul trying to segment it off and partition them off for teaching purposes so that he can try and get, these are the general ways the Holy Spirit works, so that the church at Corinth could be prepared when he wanted to move that direction. When he said, I don't want you to be ignorant, he was tacking that ignorant by bringing teaching to them. But he says, but one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one. Everyone say, each one. Say, that's me. Individually, as he wills. And so when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, uh, I've heard a lot of teaching saying that these are just for special people. These are just for the mature people. These are the ones that God has a specific purpose for. But right here, Paul says, the Spirit distributes to each one. And so as you become willing and open, he will use you. And it says, as he wills, and we talked about three weeks ago about how that word, as he wills, it says, as he has purpose. And that's not purpose for you. Yes, he can bless you through a gift of the Spirit, but he often uses the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit through you to bless those around you. And so as you come in contact with people, he has purposes that he would like to work out in their lives for his good, for their good, for his blessing, for his honor. He has people that he wants to bring hope, help, and healing to through you. People that I'll never meet, people that Toph will never meet, people that Craig will never meet, but you'll meet. He has people he wants to bring hope, help, and healing to, and he distributes to each one. Again, say, that's me. Say, I'm open, Lord. I'm willing. Speak, Lord. Your servant listens. And so we can take the nine gifts that Paul outlines here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we can kind of categorize them into three different categories. The first one would be what we call the revelation gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And the second category would be the inspiration gifts or the vocal gifts, which is prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And the last category is what we call the power gifts, the gift of faith, gifts of healing, 
and working of miracles. And so he, they don't all always come in such a clear-cut package like I need to use the gifts of healing right now or I need to use the word of knowledge right now. They often come working together and multiple gifts at work, at work whichever is needed in that moment. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, earnestly desire the best gifts. And the best gift is the one that's needed in that moment. So how do the gifts come? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. It's such a great question. So glad that it was on your heart. And that is the very reason why we spent three weeks, it was week five through seven, I believe, talking on how we are led by the Holy Spirit. The gifts come the same way that he leads you. And just for a little bit of a refresher, number one way was his word. A gift of the Spirit will never violate or contradict his word. I've heard people stand up and say supposedly by the Spirit something, and I'd be like, but that violates the word. It's not from God. That's just the flesh speaking. It will never violate his word because the Holy Spirit was the one who inspired it for your teaching and for your learning. I had one person get up and say, I believe that God has told me that I'm no longer supposed to give. And I'm like, well, that's the opposite of what the Word says. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. And so he, he can't speak against his Word when he's already told you the, the, the general of his Word. The specific of the Holy Spirit will always line up with that. You know, he can be led through an angel or as we saw, Paul, with the gifts of the Spirit, worked very much close hand-in-hands with angels on several occasions. Or there's the authoritative or the audible voice of God. He'll just speak into your heart, and it'll be like, oh, you'd almost think that it was audible and everybody else around you heard, and he just gives you his instructions. Uh, he can, they can come to you in dreams and visions. The other night I had a word of wisdom in a dream, which is only the second time that's ever happened to me in my life. There was like, boom, it was it, right before I woke up, and as soon as I, my eyes hit, it was like, I know exactly what you're talking about, Lord, and I know exactly what it has to pl- play in it. And with dreams and visions, if you don't know what it is when you wake up, throw it out. God knows how to talk to his children. He says, I won't speak to you in a figurative language. I'll speak to you plainly is what he said in the book of John. And so if you don't know when you wake up, toss it out. He knows how to talk to you. And then the fifth way is the inward witness. And I find this is the number one way that he moves with the gifts of the Spirit. It's like an inward knowing or a sensing that this is what needs to be done or this is what needs to be said. You know, I've met a lot of people that say, well, I saw this and I, and I see this happening and everything, like, and that's great. God does very much work with people in a visual sense. He'll inspire their spirit so that they have many visions of what we call them. But for me, God works like 99.9% of the time through an inward knowing. It's all of a sudden like, this is what I know. And so you do what you know and you walk it out. And so that's how the gifts will come to you. It's not always going to be a big banner sign like, hello, hello, I got a word of wisdom that I want to give through you right now. No, it'll be as you quiet your heart and you just feel like, I think this is what needs to be done right now. As as the, the New Testament Christian said, it just seemed good to us that we go in this direction. Or as Paul said, Uh, it didn't feel good that we go in that direction. You just listen on the inside. You lead a yielded life and keep your heart quiet before God. 
and the gifts of the Spirit just begin to flow through. And so this morning, I would like to start talking on the revelation gifts. And we're not going to get through all three of them today, but it's the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. So why don't we start with the word of knowledge? Okay. (laughs) The word of knowledge. And as I said, last week we were going to start talking about the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom, and then what Pastor Wendy was flowing in a lot during last weekend's service was that very thing, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and some prophecy, some edification, exhortation, and comfort mixed in there. But what is a word of knowledge? A simple definition is this. You're taking notes. I'll give you a second to write it down. It's supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit of certain facts in the mind of God relating to the past or the present. You got that? It's supernatural revelation having to do with the past or the present. Got it? Now, when we say that it's supernatural revelation, why do we say that? It's not something that someone else told you. It's not something that you have discovered in your own learning. This is something that you did not know before that moment and could not know. It's something that the Holy Spirit speaks to you that God knows and the other person knows having to do with the past or the present. Got it? And when we call it a word of knowledge, this is something that I'm very specific when we teach on. It is a word, not a book. When he speaks, if he's wanting you to say something, say what he says and shut up. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Give the word. A word. It's like a little blip into their lives. And I often say this because you are not to judge that person by that little glimpse that you're saying. It does not represent the totality of their life, but a little glimpse that the Holy Spirit is giving to you. And now, this is a word of knowledge, a glimpse of knowledge. This is not all knowledge. You're not God. You've got the Holy Spirit who can reveal certain things to you, but you do not know all things. You're not all-knowing like God. And so say what you need to say and shut up and let the Holy Spirit do the work. It's a little glimpse. It's a little, it's a little opening that the Holy Spirit is using to speak hope, help, and healing into their lives. So let's look at some examples throughout the Bible. And why don't we start in the Old Testament? Because in the Old Testament, as we started like seven, 15 weeks ago or whatever it was when we talked about this, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon the prophet, the priest, and the king. And in the New Testament, it's available to all who believe. And so we see glimpses of the gifts of the Spirit flowing through the prophet, the priest, and the king. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 10, we got an interesting situation going on with Saul, the first king of Israel. God has decided that Saul's the one that needs to be king, and Samuel has come to him to make him king, and Saul's saying, no, I don't want to. 
<laughs> you know, how many, I could, I've been in that position where God's saying, this is what I'd like you to do, and I'm saying, no, I don't want to. And that's why we need to foster a heart of willingness and obedience. And so Saul is saying, no, I don't want to. And so he keeps, tries to go on about his life. And what happens is his father's donkeys get lost. And so Saul is out on a journey trying to find these lost donkeys, and he comes across Samuel. And Samuel said, you know what, you've been trying to run from this, but I'm going to anoint you king anyways. And so in chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Then Samuel took a flask of oil, and he poured it on his head, and he kissed him. And he said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? And in verse 2 it says, And when you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zilzah. And they will say to you, The donkeys which you have been looking for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys. And so through this word of knowledge, the Lord reveals that the donkeys have already been found. That's past. And he tells him the present. Your father doesn't care about the donkeys anymore. He's worried about you. And so here we see it's just a little glimpse through Samuel by the Holy Spirit. The donkeys have been found. Your father's worried. You need to hurry on home. We can see this also reflected in the life of Jesus. Now Jesus had this a lot of times where he was just speaking and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit began to reveal the thoughts of those who were sitting there in front of him. He said when he discerned their thoughts. That's a working of the gift of knowledge revealing something that is presently happening. But here in John chapter 4, we have a situation with Jesus. He's sitting down with the Samaritan woman, a woman who he shouldn't be having a conversation with according to the Jewish standards. He should be keeping her at a distance. But he sits down, he begins to talk with her, and in chapter 4, verse 16, he says, Go and call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And he said to her, You have said well that you have had no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. In that you have spoken truly. And so the Holy Spirit reveals to Jesus this woman has had five, and now the one she's currently with is not her husband. It's the supernatural revealing of the past and the present. Okay, let's move a little bit further on into the New Testament, into the age in which we now live as New Testament creatures, as New Testament sons and daughters. In Acts chapter 9, after Paul has been knocked off his donkey, he's been blinded, Jesus, he has his, his meeting, his confrontation with Jesus. In chapter 9, verse 10, it says, Now there was a certain disciple in Damascus, named Ananias. And I always like to use Ananias's story is because he's not a pot prophet, he's not an apostle, he's not a teacher, he's not any of the fivefold gifts. He's just a lay person in the body of Christ. And so as we say, he gives to each one individually. He just calls up, the Holy Spirit calls up a guy, a Christian who is in Damascus, and his name is Ananias. And he says, the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise, go to the street called Straight, 
and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he's praying. And so the Holy Spirit reveals to Ananias the present location of where Saul, this guy he's never met, that he doesn't want to meet, as we find later on in a few verses, he didn't know he was there, but the Holy Spirit reveals it to him. And it says, and in a vision, he has seen. What is that? That is past tense. Saul has seen in this vision a man named Ananias. I love that. He kind of like closes Ananias into a corner here. He's like, Paul has already seen you coming and you laying hands on him. So whether you want to or not, you're going. (laughs) And so Ananias tries to say, no, 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 God, I don't want to do this. But then he says, no, okay, fine, I'll go do it. And so God was able to reveal through the word of knowledge to Ananias where Saul was, exactly what had already taken place. And Saul's heart was open. Now we see a similar situation just one chapter over. In Acts chapter 10, Peter's up on the housetop. He's been praying He falls into a trance, and the Lord begins to show things and reveal things to him. And after the trance is over, it says in verse 17, Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius made an inquiry at Simon's house, and he stood before the gate. And they called and they asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while... Peter thought about the vision. So this tells us what Peter was doing. He's not focused on what's going on. He's focused on the vision. It says, The Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, go down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And so he reveals to Peter, it's not like they had cell phones and someone texted Peter and said, Hey, you got some guys at the door. It was by the Holy Spirit just saying, getting him where he needed to be at the right time. Because what was happening? God was trying to orchestrate things with Cornelius and Peter so that Peter could go there, preach to them, and the Holy Spirit could fall upon them. And so he was orchestrating in ways long before we had GPS, long before we had cell phones or emails or phone calls. The Holy Spirit can just go ahead and reveal things that you know and could not know. You know, the great thing about the Holy Spirit, he's not so wrapped up in our doctrines as we are. You know, and I always love the story of Charles Spurgeon. And the thing about Charles Spurgeon, amazing preacher, you know, they called him the Prince of Preacher. When he, when he took over his church, it was 80 people. And when he died, it was 5,600 people. And, and this is talking like 200 years ago. This is before mega churches. 60,000 people came to his funeral. And the thing about Charles Spurgeon is that he believed, he was what we call a cessationist. He believed that the gifts of the Spirit had faded away, that they were no longer uh, happening in our generation. But he also had the belief that every Christian should be fully yielded to the Holy Spirit and open to whatever he would like to do. And so even though Charles did not believe the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom were for him in that day, because his heart was open, the Holy Spirit used them in them anyways. 
And he, w- he wouldn't call them words of wisdom and words of knowledge. He said, I just had an inclination. And on one, one service where he was in, in his big church that they had built, and up in the balcony, he's like, there's a young man in this area. He has a pair of white gloves with him, which he has stolen from his employer. And the Lord is saying, return them to him and come and turn your heart towards God. And it was the first time that young man had ever been in any of his services. And that day, he stole his boss's gloves. And so at the, at the end of the service, he came up and he, he showed him them. He's like, I was the guy. And he's like, I know, I had an inclination. And it's funny, it was a word of knowledge. But he believed they, they, they don't happen anymore. You know, the Holy Spirit is not as fussy as we are. And we said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, it said, Earnestly desire the best gifts, but yet I show you a more excellent way. And what was the more excellent way? It was the way of love. When your heart is open and you're allowing love to flow from God to you, to them, you'll find yourself in places doing what you never thought. You know, I, I wasn't sure I was going to share this story. Um, but a guy, an alumni at the same school that I went to, he shared this story a few weeks ago online, and I'd, I'd heard it before, and it was just such a great story. And he calls it two bottles of wine and a gun. And he was at this bowling alley. He had gone there because there was, a, there was a kid's party going on, one of his sons, and there was a gentleman there who was sitting in the back drinking a beer, and he knew of him, but he hadn't met him. He was the friend of, his son was friends with, this gentleman's son. And as he saw him sitting in the back by himself, he knew that he was going through a hard time, that he had been diagnosed with cancer and the the outlook wasn't looking good. He was going to have to go through some severe procedures and, and surgeries. And while he was on the operating table, his wife left him for another man. And so his wife, his life has just been falling apart. The man's name, he looked over and he saw the man drinking a beer and he's like, I'm just going to go talk to the guy. And he sat down, introduced himself, and the man just began to like open up and share the struggles that he was going through. And uh, he was like, you know, you, you need to spend more time with me. God really loves you and he, he wants um, good things for you even in spite of this. And, and uh, this is what the man said. He, he, said he, he said to me that he believed that God was punishing him because of the sins of his youth. And he said, I started to laugh, and I looked him in the eye, and I said, that's a lie of the devil. And he looked shocked that I would say such a thing. And he said, Ed, that's all I've ever heard in church. And when I read that line, I'm like, that is so sad. The church cares more about people's sins than they do about the love and the grace of God. This man here, going through the worst time of his life, battling cancer, just lost his wife, and the only thing he knows about God is that God wants to punish his sins. How sad. And so Ed shared with him Psalm 103.10. He says, He has not done us after our sins, nor has he rewarded us according to our iniquities. And I went on to explain to him that the payment of God, that God requires for sin is death. And if God were to make him pay for this youth, then God would have to kill him. And I joked with him that I wasn't any saint growing up myself. And if God was going to start using the angels as hitmen, then I was going to have to be near the top of the list. And so I explained that Jesus had to go to the cross. And all, that act reconciled God to men. He continued to meet with that periodically for the next few months. And a few months down the road, 
there was a Thanksgiving meal that they were putting on for people that did not have family to celebrate with. And so he went and he invited this man. He said, I know you, your, your kid won't see you anymore. Your wife has left you. You're all alone. Come to our Thanksgiving meal. And so as they were setting up, Ed and his wife, and he looked around and everyone had showed up except for this one man. And he was like, oh, I really wanted to be here. And he said, Holy Spirit, what can I do to get to this man? And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit said, he's in the graveyard. And he's like, as soon as the Holy Spirit said that, I knew his brother had died just a few months before. He's probably at his grave. And so he's like, told his wife, I know we're busy here. I'm, I'm going to just take a drive. I'll be right back. And he got to the graveyard and he saw the man sitting on the bench. And as he walked up, there was the man sitting on the bench with two bottles of wine and a pistol. And he said, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out what was going on here. And so he said, I, I sat down beside him. I picked up the bottles. I put the pistol in my pocket. And I said, you need to come with me to the Thanksgiving party because it's a party that God is throwing for you. And he said, no, I'm, I'm not going to any party, Ed. He said, no. He's like, how did you even know I was here? And he said, God knew you were here. And when he heard that, he just began to weep. He got up with him. He went to the party. And now he, they've been friends for like 15 years. But how did the gift of the word of knowledge come in that situation? He was moved with love for a man that was just sitting there drinking a beer by himself in the back of a bowling alley. He was moved with love when he didn't show up to a party. And he didn't want him to be all alone. And so when he says, earnestly desire the best gifts, and I show you a more excellent way, if we would just slow down our lives and be available for someone other than ourselves, the gifts begin to flow. The next would be the word of wisdom. And the word of wisdom is very much like the word of knowledge except that it's a word of revelation in the mind of God of what is going to take place in the future or how to s resolve a difficult situation. So where the word of knowledge deals with past and present, the word of wisdom deals with how to go from where you are here into where he would like to move you. And as we've said, the different gifts often flow together with each other. And so God is not interested in just revealing something from the past, revealing something about the present, and then forgetting about what your future is. And so the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom often flow right into each other. And we see that in, back in Samuel with the story of Saul. So the, Samuel reveals to Saul that the donkeys have been found, and he says, and now your dad is worrying about you, saying, what shall I do about my son? And so Samuel then goes to reveal what the future looks like for Saul. He says, Then you shall go on forward from there and come to the terebinth tree of Tabor. And there three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. 
and they will greet you, and they'll give you two loaves of bread, and you will receive them from their hands. And after that, you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come to that city, there you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument and a tambourine and a flute and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. And then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and be turned into another man and let it be when these signs come to you and that you do as the occasion demands for God is with you. And so what happens? Saul goes and that everything that Samuel has just told to him happens. And he begins to prophesy with the prophets and they say, is Saul now among the prophets? And, and so it's uh, the same spirit that rests upon the prophet, the priest, and the king now rests upon New Testament believers filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see it again in Acts chapter 9 with Ananias. He starts out with the word of knowledge where God tells him where, where Saul is and what Saul has already seen. And so it's the Lord says to him in verse 11, The Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen the man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias said, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all those who call on your name. But the Lord said, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And so he reveals to Ananias what has happened, and then he tells him what the future holds for Saul. And as we read through the book of Acts, these things that he speaks about right here at the beginning are exactly what Saul, who becomes Paul, walks through. He says, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. How many times did Paul say, do you know how many times I've been stoned? How many times I've been whipped and beaten and left for dead? Do you know how many times I've been shipwrecked? Paul knew he was going to go through that from the beginning. If we go back here, he must, he's a chosen vessel to bear my name among kings. He goes before King Agrippa. He goes before Festus. He goes before Caesar himself. The very thing that God prophesied to him back at the beginning through just a regular Christian guy named Ananias. Hallelujah. So Ananias goes and does it. He went his way, he entered into the house, laid his hands on him, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came, he sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Now, when it comes to the word of wisdom, word of wisdom and prophecy are often mistaken 
for each other. And we're going to talk about prophecy in a few weeks, so we'll get to that. But word of wisdom and prophecy are not the same thing, but the reason why they often get mixed is because those who stand in the office of a prophet often have the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and prophecy as the main gifts that they flow in. And so because people have seen a prophet flow in in words of wisdom and words of knowledge, they often say, well, that's just prophecy. But it's not. If it has to do with the past and the present, it's word of knowledge. If it has to do with future, it's word of wisdom. And here we see a prophet flowing in the word of wisdom. In Acts chapter 11, verse 28, it says, Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a famine. So that's future. And it says, throughout the whole world, which happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. So by the time Luke had written the book of Acts, he remembered Agabus said there was going to be a famine across the whole world, and then he's like, and that happened at this time. And so he saw it as something that was fulfilled. And again, we see Agabus in chapter 21. It says, And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down to Judea. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt And he bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews of Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And then all the other Christians says, Oh no, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. And Paul says, Why? That's exactly where I need to be. Agabus was speaking accurately about my future through the Holy Spirit, and everything he said came to pass. Now, when we talk about a word of wisdom, it can be conditional. Because when it has to do with you and your future, you don't always obey. When God says, I would like to do this for you, I need you to move to this position and I need you to do that. If you don't, it don't happen. My great grammar. If you don't, it don't happen. And so the Holy Spirit will never make you do anything. And so he can give you a glimpse of what he would like for your life to be and what he would like for you to do. But if you say no, he won't fight you. He's a perfect gentleman. Here we see a conditional one in 2 Kings chapter 20. It says, In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him to say, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Well, he's just got the death sentence. What does he do? It says he turned his face towards the wall, and he prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have walked before you in truth and a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And it happened before Isaiah had gone into the middle of the court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the Lord God of David your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears and surely I will heal you. And on the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. And that's exactly what happened. And so his word of wisdom to Hezekiah was conditional on Hezekiah turning his heart back to God. We see the same thing with Jonah and Nineveh. 
Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because Jonah didn't want Nineveh to repent. But by the time God got him there, he went and preached to them, and they repented. And then Jonah got in a fit, and he went up and sat on the tree, and he looked down, and he's just saying, God, wipe them off the face of the earth. Let's destroy them. I'm like, what a great prophet. you got to realize how messed up the story of Jonah is. And as he was sitting there waiting for God to wipe them off the face of the earth, they turned their hearts towards God, and God said, okay, we're good. And Jonah was mad about it. <laughs> what a prophet. But again, we see that it was conditional based upon their response to what God had said. And so when he tells you about your future, go ahead and say, yes, Lord, I will be obedient. I will move my heart to wherever you need me to be. I will do what you want me to do. I will say what you want me to say. I will be what you want me to be. A word of wisdom can also be used to set apart those for special ministry. And we see that in Acts 13, where they set Paul and Barnabas apart so that they could set off on Paul's second missionary journey. And it was through the Holy Spirit that they knew the pairing that wanted to be sent. We want Paul and we want Barnabas. There was many more there with them that could have went, but the Holy Spirit said, no, I've got a mission for Paul and I've got a mission for Barnabas. And we already saw with Ananias, when Ananias went to Paul, he needed to tell Paul that I'm setting him apart because this is what I want him to do. A word of wisdom can be used to assure of God's protection. And I like in Acts chapter 27, there's a, 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 a ship voyage that Paul said they never should have set out on. But the owner of the ship and the helmsman said, why should we listen to this prisoner? And we're going to go anyways. And so they get out there, and they're in the midst of this big storm, and they've been being battered for days and days on end. They've been throwing their supplies overboard. They've been throwing their food, and now they all have given up. And they're like, we're going to die. The ship's going down. And this is what Paul said. He said, I now urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you. Again, this is dealing with future because they're not dead yet. But only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted all those who sail with you. You know, those guys on the ship shed have been like, Paul, we're so glad that you're here. It's because of you we're all going to live. Because God wants you to go before Caesar. And so through a word of wisdom, he was able to assure all these people who used to not trust him and now know he was right, he was able to assure them that their protection was assured by God. Now, when it comes to the word of wisdom, and the word of knowledge, we should not be surprised that these are part of the gifts of the Spirit. And why is that? Think way back 17 weeks ago. In John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So next time you think the gifts are not for today, remember what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. He will guide you, and he'll tell you what's coming down the line. 
He will guide you, and he'll tell you what's coming down the line. And we remember what Peter said. He said, the gift of the Holy Spirit is to afar off to as many as the Lord will call, to as many of those who will believe. Lord, I believe. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the gifts that you've left for your sons and daughters on this earth. We thank you for the infilling of the power of the Holy Spirit. That we don't have to be wondering about what we should be doing or where should we should be going or who, what we should be saying to those around us. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the guide. I let you guide my life. I say yes to your way. I say yes to your voice. I choose all that you have for me. I will not be ignorant of your gifts, but I will earnestly desire the best gifts. I will pursue love. is offering time. So, um, there's several ways you can give. There's envelopes in the seats ahead of you. Those uh, on there are sick. That way online. Thank you very much for your faithfulness. It's a blessing to be in the church. Amen. So I want to say this confession. As I tithe and give offerings, I'm keeping the Lord for souls and more souls, jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, ailments, states and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, discounts and dividends, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, binding money, bills decrease, bills paid off, Blessing and increases. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, no matter what station you are in life, whether you're a young child, whether you are uh, retired and, and so on, these still apply to you because it covers all the multitude of things, but it's not an extensive list because God knows ways to get things to you. Amen. money to fish if you're a fisherman. Better be checking those fish. Amen. This has happened before. Amen. Get you know gifts and surprises, uh, checks in the mail. I mean, I could I could spend an hour or two or three just up to different testimonies over just my life as to how God's gotten things to me. Amen. Because He's faithful. Amen. All right. If you need prayer for anything, we don't want you to ever leave church with not having. Someone to agree with you or believe with you, someone from our care team, be right up here on the screen. If you need prayer for anything, come on and talk to them. You guys are blessed. Have a wonderful week. Let's have some coffee.